Good morning. Like to welcome everyone to worship and the mystery prelude today, sponsored by Sharon Tylinda, um, in honor of the young children she advocates for. Did anybody get it? Irish blessings. Never heard it either. <laughs> Holy yoga tomorrow at 9:15. Chair yoga 10:15. Faithful friends today around 11:40. They're having a guest speaker talking about what behaviors should you be concerned about when it comes to uh, seniors. So that's uh, immediately following church pretty much. Also February 26th, young adult group, 20 to 35 church friends, they gather for coffee hours, sit in the balcony for worship, and then have a lunch and fellowship afterwards. Also lunch and worship this week, lunch at noon on Wednesday, uh, shepherd's pie, and then worship at one o'clock. Also lunch around the corner, and Ash Wednesday, Wednesday's always well attended, and then it drops after that, and I think because people think this, all the services are that long. Ash Wednesday's a long service, but all the other services in Lent, about a half hour. And the topic this uh, year, we're talking about evidence for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, looking at outside sources, what the Apostolic Fathers talk about. Um, so it should be an interesting study. Also, uh, we're still very saddened about the sudden loss of Mike Razor. He served as our head elder. We're leaving that position vacant out of respect for him, but Rick Russ will be somewhat like an interim head elder, so um, Rick will be leading the elders for us. We rise for opening him. <laughs>
Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> That's great. What day is coming up this week? Valentine's Day. And what symbol do you usually have for Valentine's Day? A heart. Yes. Oh, yeah. A heart love, right? Well, you know another great symbol that God uses for love? What do you think it is? The heart, yeah, and what else? What? The cross, yes. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So that's what you're getting today, a sticker cross, because that's really God's symbol for love and how much he loves us that he would die for us. So I want to thank you for coming up, and I hope you have fun at Sunday school. The Old Testament reading for today is from the book of Judges, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. One day, when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, A young Philistine woman in Timnah has caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry, they asked? Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. Here ends the Old Testament reading. The epistle reading from today is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 and 31 through 34. Now faith is confidence in what we hope and hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon and Barak, Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Here ends the epistle reading.
We rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. Our Holy Gospel reading this morning comes from John 3, verses 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Here ends our Holy Gospel reading. by confessing our faith in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You had a hold on me right from the start, a hold so tight I couldn't tear it apart. My nerves all jumping, acting like the Kisses did burn, but my heart stayed cool. Well, Romeo and Juliet, Samson and Delilah. Okay, stop, Rick. There's our topic. Samson and Delilah. <laughs> now, I preached on it before. You know, last week we still had an elders meeting and Mike's absence, we celebrated his life. And then um, Scott, Cam told me, he, he said, for all the elders, Pastor, your last two sermons have really been your best. Oh, just build me up. I'm feeling so good. And he said, but that one on prayer, I think it was a repeat. <laughs> I don't repeat sermons. 
I've been here over 20 years. Of course, I'm going to talk about prayer on a number of occasions. And I preached on Samson and Delilah before. You know, our pop-up series, somebody gave me uh, drinking glasses with the seven deadly sins. And my thank you and always comes back in the form of sermon, even though I don't know who gave me these glasses. And the one I feared most about preaching about was lust. Yeah. <laughs> so then I thought, well, it's Valentine's Day. Let's talk about a love story gone bad. Samson and Delilah. Like Superman, kryptonite, for Samson, it was lust. Lust was his downfall. A certain man of Zora named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared, remember you see that in the Old Testament, it's the pre-incarnate Christ, appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Now we can imagine how happy mom and dad are to have a baby. And you could tell from our Old Testament lesson how Samson talked to them. He sounds pretty spoiled. And I bet they spoiled him. And some of the first words we hear from Samson, get her for me, for she looks good to me. All about the eyes. And then say, oh, I met this girl, we hit it off. Or we have so many things in common. No, it's how she looks. It's his chink. In verse 4 that we didn't hear read, it says, His parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines for that time they were ruling over Israel. Now the reason the Philistines are ruling over Israel because Israel had been unfaithful to God. But now, now there's going to be freedom from the Philistines, and it's going to start through Samson. Now Samson is going to go to Timnah to see this woman. Suddenly, he's on the journey. Suddenly, a young lion came roaring toward him. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and he liked her. Oh, that's good. She's not only pretty, but he liked her. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. And in it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate it as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some, and they ate it too. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Now, you know, we have bachelor parties in our day and age. It's the same back then. For the men, there was a seven-day celebration, a lot of drinking and eating, and Samson comes up with a riddle about the lion and the honey. And he tells there's 30 Philistines at this party. And he tells them, if you can figure out this riddle before the seven, day, seven days are up, I'll give each of you some clothing, a pair of clothing, new outfit. Clothing was expensive but if you can't figure out the riddle, then you 30 old me. Well, they went to his future wife, and they threatened her. And said, if you don't get this riddle for us, we will kill you and your dad. Well, again, a woman failed Samson. Before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, what is sweeter than honey, and what is stronger than a lion? Samson said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, we really got to bring that saying back. I like that. <laughs> you would not have solved my riddle. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. 
he went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of everything, and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he returned to his father's home. It's like a little baby, he's going to go home. And Samson's wife was given to one of his companions who had attended the feast. Later on, at that time of wheat harvest, it must be a romantic season, Samson took, Samson took some roses. Actually, it doesn't say roses, but roses sound more romantic. Samson took a young goat <laughs> and went to visit his wife. He said, I'm going to my wife's room, but his fa the father would not let him go in. I was so sure you hated her, he said, that I gave her to your companion. Isn't her younger sister more attractive? Take her instead. Samson's outraged. He says, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. So he went out, caught 300 foxes, and tied them tail to tail in pairs. He then fastened a torch to every pair of tails, lit the torches, and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. He burned up the shocks, the standing grain, together with the vineyards and olive groves. Now he's done a lot of damage. When the Philistines asked who did this, they were told Samson, the Timnite's son-in-law, because his wife was given to his companion. So the Philistines went up and burned her and her father to death. Samson then said, since you've acted like this, I swear that I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. He attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed in the cave in the rock of Aaron. Now remember, the Philistines are ruling the Israelites. Then 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Edom and said to Samson, Don't you realize the Philistines are rulers over us? What you have done to us, what have you done to us? He answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. They said to him, We've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Samson said, Swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. Agreed to him. We will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and led him up from the rock. As he approached, the Philistines came toward him, shouting. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. Again, the King James Version, they use a different word for donkey. It's much more entertaining. <laughs> when he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was called Ramathai Lehi. Because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, You have given your servant this great victory, but must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi, and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned, and he revived. You know, Samson and the story of Hercules share many things that are in common. And there's good evidence that really Hercules, the whole concept of Hercules, came from Samson. They're both given divine power, they both kill a lion with their bare hands. They're both responsible for the death of their first wife. They both wiped out armies. They both got water from the earth. They both tore down city gates. They both had weakness for women. They both ended up as slaves because women betrayed them. One day, Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute. Notice it doesn't say he hired a prostitute. He saw. The writer really wants us to understand. This, this man had lust, and it came through his eyes. He went in to spend the night with him. The people of God were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the two popes, and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. That's about a 40-mile distance. That's how strong he is. 
In the book of James, James writes, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That is going to happen to Samson because of the chink in his armor. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the Valley of Zor, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. Delilah loves money more than saints. Three times he asked, she asked, do you love me? Tell me the secret. Three times Samson lies to her. But the fourth he does. Samson has to know he's playing with fire. He has to know she is going to betray him. It's like a toxic love. You ever know somebody that has that toxic love? They stay with somebody who abuses them. They stay with somebody that doesn't care for them. And they just can't tear themselves away. They just can't make that decision. Samson. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. I could have wrote that. <laughs> so he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines. Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left. Then the Philistine seized him, gouged out his eyes. Oh, isn't that where the lust always came? Isn't that ironic? He'll never be able to lust at a beautiful woman ever again. They took him down to Gaza, Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. He's there for a little bit. We're told but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. I think that's an indicator his faith was growing again. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to celebrate, saying, it's like a chant, like being in an athletic arena. Our god has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their god, saying, our god has delivered our enemy into our hands the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. That's important. The writer wants us to make understand. These are the pillars that support the temple. Archaeology is the Bible's best friend. We have on earth two of these temples. And guess what? There are two pillars. It indicates that it supported the whole building. And they are about six feet apart. Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me. 
Please, God, strengthen me just one more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. This was the beginning of freedom. In many ways, Samson is like Christ, or Christ-like Samson. Though Christ has no chink in his armor, but as Samson begins the freedom of the people, so Christ came on the cross to bring us freedom from our sin, to give us the gift of eternity. There, the great victory, he saved more in his death And through his resurrection, we know our sins are forgiven. Why well, I love the story of Samson, you heard our epistle lesson from Hebrews 11. That's often referred to as the Hall of Faith. It's Old Testament characters. Samson's in the Hall of Faith. When you think about the type of life he lived, and all the sin, and all the immorality, all the lust, and yet he's in the hall of faith because they were saved by faith like we are. And Samson is a great story for us. Yes, we have chinks in our armor. Maybe it's lust for you. But to know that God can use broken, sinful people with chinks in our armor to accomplish his purpose for his glory. That's why Romans 8, 28, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. And that should strengthen us to know that despite our stumbles, despite tripping over sin, despite those chinks in our armor that we seem to love so much, God still has a plan. He still has a plan. And as he used Samson, he can use us. Give some thought this week. Have you... Have you stumbled, done something wrong in the past where God did something good through it? I'm not encouraging you to sin, but that's what God does. And I want you to think this week about Samson, that man who struggled with lust. It was his downfall, and yet God still used him, and so he uses us. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We rise for the offertory.
rise? Let us pray. Almighty Father, in this world filled with goodness and evil, pleasure, leisure, lust, and temptations, our desire is to have the fruit of your Spirit evident in our daily life. Grant us, Father, we pray, a spirit of self-control. May we face all issues of life with calmness and control from self and overindulgence. By your grace, we are forgiven. We can be responsible and free. You make us strong and faithful and fill our hearts with joy. May it all be for our good and for your glory. Today we pray for those grieving the loss of loved ones, the family and friends of Gordy Meisel, the family and friends of Virginia Legren, and the family and friends of Mike Raisler. We pray for those facing health concerns, Andrea Calvanesso, Lisa Vantau, Margaret, Terry Hessen, Lindsay Hoekstra, Jill Wycamp, Sue Middledorf, Christy Nina, Tony Kernett, Chris Talinda, Ron Marks, Michael O'Connor, and Brian Leahy. We pray for those in hospice care, Jim Brady, Steve, Joe Hamada, Helen Itaki, and Rosebud Rosselli. We pray for all those serving in the military, police, and firefighters, to all world leaders to be receptive to godly counsel, for all Lutherans in Burkina Faso, West Africa, a man going through legal and medical problems, and for all those suffering from other health concerns, special prayers for the earthquake victims in Syria and Turkey. We welcome through baptism today, Maxwell Allen Elsie, and we celebrate those celebrating birthdays and anniversaries. Our sanctuary altar flowers, placed by Sharon Talinda, and our lectern flowers in celebration and with blessings for Jan Hogan's birthday. All this we ask as you have taught us to pray. keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant to you his peace.
Stop.